0: Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that you've chosen, God, that you chose to give your son Jesus for us. God, we thank you for the price that he paid on the cross for us. And Father, this morning, we just want to say we praise you. We honor you. We glorify you, Lord. Father, speak to us as your word is spoken to our hearts this morning. God, change us. Do what you need to do in each one of us this morning. God, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel chapter 25. Self-assessment. Self-assessment. In chapter 25 of Samuel, we are going to have two messages on the importance of self-assessment. It's important that we have some self-awareness. It's important that we are paying attention to who we are, to what we're missing, to where our blind spots might possibly be, that we ask ourselves the question on a regular basis, am I heading in the right direction, and am I willing to listen to reasonable people share reason with me? We learn in 1 Samuel 25 that Samuel dies, and then we learn that David is not the same man he was in chapter 24. He went from being a man of grace to a man of revenge. He switched gears. He wasn't the same guy. And he needed Abigail, who the Bible says was a reasonable, beautiful lady. And she spoke reason into David's life. And David saw the flaw of his ways he realized right away that he wasn't walking in the right direction. He saw right away that he had transitioned from being a man of grace to becoming a man of revenge. Now, we would probably understand David's predicament because Nabal was, Abigail's husband, was a difficult guy to do business with. Now, David was much like Captain Call. He did not tolerate rude behavior of man. Fact is, he said he hated it. And so at the moment that Nabal rejected his request for some provisions out of his abundance, David just lost his mind. And he said, arm yourselves with swords like John Wayne did. John Wayne, after they called him a one-eyed fat man, he said, arm yourselves. Here we go. We're going to war. And so David went from being a man of grace with Saul until now he's a man of revenge. That's for next week. That's for next week. Hope you'll come and bring a friend to hear whether or not we are reasonable people willing to listen to reasonable advice. Samuel chapter 25, verse 1. Say with me, The Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God are all we need, and we need each desperately. We need the Word of God. Every single day, we need the Word of God. We need the Word of God on Sundays. We need the Word of God on Mondays, Tuesdays. We need the Spirit of God every single day. And we need the people of God every single day. Without the word of God, without the spirit of God, without the people of God, I don't know about you, but I'm an absolute basket case. I'm a man full of revenge. I do not seek to get even. I would seek to get ahead. I would not be fun to be around. I am guarantee you that without the word of God, the people of God helping me and, and the spirit of God guiding me and convicting me of wrong, I wouldn't have a family today. I wouldn't be married. They probably wouldn't speak to me any longer. I would probably not be able to keep a job. I, I, I would be an absolute basket case. I would be like Nabel. I guarantee you, because I know my flesh and my flesh is destructive and strong. I have an addicted personality and I know that it would not be subdued and I would find myself in a mess time and time again without the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it as take, take it lightly. Be serious about the opportunity we have each and every day to have God's Word mold us, to have His Spirit lead us and have God's people speak reason to us. We need it. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 25. Now Samuel died, and all Israel gathered for the funeral. They buried him at his house in Ramah. That's it. This is Samuel the prophet This is Samuel the judge. This is Samuel, the the really, during the time of Saul, the only voice of reason in the land. Saul was a nut job. Saul made poor decisions. And the only hope that the people had was the life of Samuel. But it says in 1 Samuel 25, "...now Samuel died, and all Israel gathered for his funeral." They buried him at his house in Ramah. That's it. And the rest of the time, Samuel, the only times he's mentioned in the Scripture is when he's alluded to or when Saul goes and speaks to him from the dead. That's it. You would think a great man would have more. But isn't that the way it is with death? The book of Ecclesiastes tells us that that death comes along People grieve, people mourn for a brief time, and then life goes on. Life goes on. So the self-assessment that I want to live, leave with you today is this. What do you want to be remembered for? And are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? What do you want to be remembered for? Because you're going to be remembered for only a few things. And are you ready to die? Just says, Samuel died. We're all going to die unless the Lord Jesus returns. Every single one of us are going to die. I'm going to die. You're going to die. That's clear. Just like Samuel. Samuel died. And when we die, people are going to come together and mourn. There'll be a few. It'll probably rain on that day or it'll be a cold day on my funeral. And there'll be just be a few people there. That's the way it's going to be, you know, because they got ball games, they got soccer games, they got volleyball games. Uh, uh, you know, they've got a birthday party to go to. There'll just be a few there. There'll be a few mourners. I have blackmailed a few fellas to mourn loudly for me to make up for how they have treated me through the years. And after my funeral, it's just going to go on. If the Rangers are playing that night, you'll watch them lose together. You'll just move along and that's it. Now, in Samuel's day, he died, they mourned, they laid him rest at his house in Ramah, and life went on. We have to understand that. We need to be prepared that we are living today those things that we want to be remembered for. And I think in the self-assessment, one of the greatest things you can do is you can write down now your obituary. You need to write down your obituary and at least once a week read your obituary. Now, I didn't want to ask you to do something that, that I don't, I'm not willing to do my, for myself. This is not my first one I've written, but this is the latest obituary that I've written. I learned a long time ago that going to funerals is a good thing for me. I go to a lot of them. I preach a lot of them. I'm around a lot of people in the funeral situation. Now, they're always good for me. I always leave the funeral a better person, at least knowing I need to be a better person. Usually after a funeral, I call my mom and dad. I just want to hear their voice again. Usually, I call my friends that I haven't spoken to in a while, usually after a funeral. Usually after a funeral, nearly every single time I go to a funeral, I, I have this desire to preach better, to lead better, to teach better. I, I have a real desire in me to, to, to not bore people to death and to, and to bring a message that brings life. And, and so... Funerals are good for me, and so I think they're good for you as well. I think we're all the same. Many people are afraid of funerals, and they they avoid funerals at all costs. I'm here to tell you, that's not a good thing to do. You ought to go to at least one funeral a week. Look in the paper, even if you don't know them, show up. And, and hear what's going on. So I wrote my obituary. Here's my obituary that I put together this week. And so I'm asking you to... To give some serious thought into writing your own obituary to help you prepare to live. All right? Lee's first name was Robert. He never knew why he was named Robert. Best guess was that his dad was pulled over for speeding on the way to the hospital with his mom and was stopped at the corner of Beauregard and Bryant Freeway near the community hospital in San Angelo on December the 20th, 1959. There was a road sign that said Robert Lee 31 at the corner. He reckoned that the sign stuck with his dad, so he was named Robert Lee. He always said he was glad the sign didn't say Wachahachie 51. So then he would have been named Wachahachie. He would have preferred Milwaukee, but it was not meant to be. See, I think Milwaukee Brewer would have been the perfect name for me. (laughs) He never knew why he was never called Robert. He never knew. He was just always called Lee. I've asked my mom and dad two or three times, especially when I was younger, how come y'all don't call me Robert? They didn't know. How come I'm just called Lee? We don't know. It just happened. You're Lee. All right, I'm Lee. Lee always knew that he was average at best, an average athlete, average student, average in all things, especially an average preacher, just better than some, but not as effective as most. He knew it was a good thing to know your limitations. In his case, being average with many limitations was a benefit, for he knew God needed to take over quickly, and he needed to get out of the way for things to happen. He married well. Susan was the right gal at the right time for him. He was always aware that being stuck in an airport was always best when Susan was with him. They enjoyed their time together, and Susan always made him laugh. She supported his ups and downs and gave him the stability that his craziness demanded." He is survived by two children, Daniel and his daughter-in-law, Michelle, and three grandgirls, Lexi, Mila, and Priya. He enjoyed time with the grandkids. He loved to play with them with the, with the time that he had with them. Amy is his daughter, who Lee enjoyed watching serve the Lord. Every time he heard the song, Oceans, he was reminded of Amy's faith to go where the oceans are deep. Lee's a graduate of Angelo State University. I did graduate. And Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He pastored at the West Texas Boys' Ranch, Lubbock, San Angelo, and in Alito, Texas. Lee was the first brewer to graduate from college, and this brought joy to his dad and mom. He liked sports. He liked hanging with family and friends. He liked to laugh. He loved riding his bike in new country. It was his lonesome dove experience to ride a good horse through new country. He knew during his life that he would never see the Rangers win the World Series. He lived with a chip on his shoulder and held a grudge against Nelson Cruz for not catching the ball in the sixth game of the World Series. Never got over that that's what the preacher will say at my funeral. Lee had an addictive personality and he was addicted to change lives. He persevered with the belief that he was able to see some experienced life change as a result of his teaching and preaching. Jesus had changed his life and he believed Jesus would willingly change others if they would give Jesus a chance. So he kept preaching and teaching as long as he could for that to happen. He believed the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God were all you need, and you needed each desperately. He was reminded daily of the life of the rhino. even had it tattooed on his arm. The rhino could only see 30 feet ahead, but ran at 30 miles per hour, He saw that as a lesson of belief. Do what God said and run with God's command even when you can't see what's ahead. On his tombstone, it will be written, Average at Best for God's Glory, 1959 to 2029. 70 average years. That's my obituary. And so make your plans for 2029 so that it can have 70 average years. He just died. He was 70 years old and he died. He just died. We went to the funeral. We remembered some old days we had with him. We remember when he said this. We remember when he did that. We remember when he told that story, when he told that story. We remembered he couldn't remember very much. We remember that the older he got, the more he lost track of what in the world he was talking about. We went to the funeral, we said, We're sorry to Susan, and we hugged the kids, and we hugged Amy and Daniel, and we walked out of there. And that's it. That's it. What do you want to be remembered for? What values do you want? You There may be only one or two values that even your loved ones are going to remember about you. What do you want them to be? You lived to make money. You were hard to deal with like Nabal. You were cranky. You were stubborn. You were rude. Didn't love much held grudges hard to forgive what do you want to be remembered for and so in this i want to be remembered for someone that trusted god believed in god his life was changed by jesus and he lived by faith he realized that he was average at best he just realized that god made him in god's perfect way for him and he made him just average always average There was always better preachers around. There was always bigger churches around. There was always people that had far more influence, but he kept on persevering and he didn't quit. One thing about that Lee Brewer, he didn't quit. You see, I want that to be remembered about me. And so I can't quit. I think about quitting. I think about giving up just like everyone does. But I can't quit because I want to be remembered as a preacher that preached until no one would come hearing. Some of you said, we're all on the way, Lee. You're making progress with that. What do you want to be remembered for? There's only two or three choices probably in your life, just like everyone else, that really matters, that's really valuable, And really important, because a great man died. Samuel, a great prophet, a great leader, he died. And they gathered, they mourned, they buried in Ramah, and then that was it. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? Jesus gives us some real important words in Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, it says in verse 23 that he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower. Now, to be his follower, it means that we believe in Jesus. We have salvation, that, that we have accepted all that he has done for us. We're one of his children. If any of you wants to be my follower, it says, you must turn from your selfish ways. Now, that means we have to repent. If we turn from our selfish ways, it means that we have repented. We turn from our selfish ways, we take up our cross daily. In preference to Jesus, that means that we're willing to die. We turn from our selfish ways, we take up our cross daily, we're prepared, willing to die for Him. Have you turned from your selfish ways? I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking you religious. I'm not asking you if you're a good person. Jesus said, you must turn from your selfish ways. You must be willing to take up your cross and you must follow Him. Three things, it says, are going to happen in our life if we're one of his children. If you want to be my follower, Jesus says, you must turn from your selfish ways. You must take up your cross, even if that cross means death for you. It means the loss of your goals. It might mean the loss of your your dreams. It may be doing things that you didn't want to do. You take up the cross. It means losing yourself. It's more than getting baptized. Baptism is a sign that you have turned from your selfish ways, you have taken up your cross, and you're willing to follow him. It's a picture of death. It's a picture of being buried with Christ and raising up in new life. And so you've got to see that today, a picture of what happens inside of us. If any of you wants to be a follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Jesus went on to say, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. If you try to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? What do you gain? If you live for this world and you get most of it, you get more than most, you have lots of stuff, what good is it? How will it benefit your eternity, in other words, if you're lost and destroyed? And then Jesus says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. I tell you the truth. Now, standing right here, right now, there are people who will not die before they see the kingdom of God, and they did. They saw the kingdom of God. Are you prepared to die? Do you know for sure that your name is written in the book of life? Have you been born again? Have you turned from your selfish ways? Have you taken up your cross? Are you following Him? Have you repented? Have you believed in Jesus as the only way of your salvation? And the result of that is your life is clearly a picture of the fruits of repentance. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? Jesus said that the road to destruction is broad and the road to life is narrow and only a few find it. Are you on the few? Jesus said that on that day, a horrible day, many will stand before Him and will say, but Lord, we did all these things in Your name. We cast out demons. We we proclaim. We did this or that and the other. Lord, we were religious. And He said, depart from Me. I never knew You. Are you prepared to die? Are you prepared to die? That's a question that only you can answer between you and the Lord. You see, are you prepared to live is tied with, are you prepared to die? Are you prepared to die? Do you have Jesus in your life? Are you born again? Have you been saved? Have you believed in Christ? Have you turned from your selfish ways? Have you willingly taken up your cross? Whatever that may be. Are you following Jesus? Please hear the message today. Samuel died. They mourned for him. And they buried him in his home in Ramah. That's it. That's it. How do you want to be remembered? Are you ready to die? Philip's going to come. He's going to play some for us. And I want you just to be open to the Lord this morning, to listen clearly to him, to listen to what he has to say to you. Are you ready to die? Bow your heads with me this morning. If the Holy Spirit has gotten a hold of your heart today, and the Holy Spirit is saying to you, you're not willing, you're not ready to live because you're not ready to die. You're holding on tightly to your life. You might be known as a religious person. You might be known as a churchgoer. You might be known as someone that's really moral. You might be known as someone that's reliable and dependable But you know that right now the Holy Spirit is saying to you that you're not ready to die because your eternal life is not settled. The issue of your sin is not taken care of. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's glory. That means that through our works, through our efforts, we all fall short. None of us, none of us on our own deserve eternal life or can earn eternal life. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. What we deserve, what we earn is spiritual death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. So you see, We have a problem. Sin separates us from God. Sin in our life must be taken care of. A penalty must be paid. And Jesus paid the penalty for us. The Word tells us, but God demonstrated how much He loved us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible tells us that if we confess with the mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if we believe in the heart that Jesus rose from the grave, we will be saved. Are you ready to die? Have you been born again?